0: all right matt back with another week um finally coming down the real home stretch of the nba season so probably start with that stuff but uh a lot of football news starting to heat up we got you know the combine going on right now or just finishing up couple big free agency signings, a lot of rumors starting to get floated out there. Um and then we can get to uh I mean obviously Hawaii basketball as we head into the tournament and then spring training is is still going. Yes. Um and the world
1: baseball classic starts this
0: and week. we got that coming up too. So relatively busy uh post you know Super Bowl but we got a lot to get to. So let's just get right into it. Start off with basketball since that's probably the uh, biggest key sport right now uh throughout the, you know, the media <laughs> as we're coming down the home stretch here to the playoffs. Still a tight race for the bubble or sorry, not the bubble, the play-in in the West and the Eastern Conference. So let's start with one of those teams that's in the You know, right on the cusp. That's the team probably most talked about in the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers. And been playing without LeBron for a little bit. Still know DeAngelo Russell as well. But, you know, it's not a complete disaster. Thanks to Anthony Davis. Who has been up. Who is stepping up and has been playing out of his mind. The past, uh, I believe four games for them. I think they are now three and one in this little LeBron list stretch that they are on right now. So, I I want to highlight, you know, the last game because I thought that was a really big. Oh, sorry, wait, they are not three and one. Like two and two, anyway uh they're holding they're staying afloat that's all that matters right now and if they can just keep themselves in striking distance I still think they have a chance with especially with how a couple other teams are starting to fall off a little bit now but I really want to talk about this this last game uh in particular and why I'm feeling pretty confident you know moving forward so we had to have the Steph return game of course Like our schedule wasn't, you know, gonna be hard enough, but or without LeBron. But I must say, the thing, and I actually was watching, you know, parts of this game. I mean, obviously, there's the obvious Anthony Davis is playing like the New Orleans Anthony Davis that was considered a top five player in the league, offensively, of course, but also defensively. And I think. It was a mix of a little bit of luck and good defense from the Lakers uh, that kind of allowed them to hold off that Warriors run that they can make at the end of games. So, you know, Steph's first game back, I'm like, okay, here we go. Right? Like, we're right on the bubble, and here comes Steph to stomp out LeBron again. But, lo and behold, you know, Steph wasn't... I don't think uh, I was first game back he wasn't really all there yet physically but I just want to talk about the defense for the Lakers because we held the you know the Warriors to 105 points not too bad honestly and I mean Steph he he was missing he missed a couple shots down the stretch that even I think you expect him to make but I mean he was still 8 of 20 from the field for 27 points. So, you know, he's going to get you. But we we kind of held him off when it counted. And we got the buckets and hit the free throws, which to me is an encouraging sign for this Lakers team moving forward. If we can play good defense, you know, relatively turnover free, kind of hop on AD's back offensively, hit one or two timely shots here and there, and hit our free throws, that's probably our best chance of success going forward right now. So I'm feeling pretty encouraged uh, moving forward here. I think, think we can do it. still believe.
1: Yeah, I, w- I want to comment about Anthony Davis. I think both of us said he needs to step up, and we kind of expected him to perform the way that he's performed. So I think we need to tip our hat to him, at least for now. I mean, this last game against the warriors AD's AD's 39 stay, points. Stay but I think what I think was 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 good is when AD is aggressive, he is you could argue he's a top 5 top 10 player in the league. Like it's all about AD's motor. Like what night is he going to bring it and what night is he just going to uh eh, I'm going to coast, get 16 and 10 but it doesn't really impact the game. Like to me this like box score kind of simplifies what ad should be doing 25 shot attempts that's that's what you want you want your best player taking most of the shots 14 to 25 that's efficient i'll take that if i'm a lakers fan took three three pointers made one right i don't want him settling for threes but he can still shoot it to get you to think about it and he had eight rebounds six assists just doing a little bit of everything and that's exactly what you need from anthony davis in this point but I got to give props to, you know, another young buck on this team. But Austin Reeves is kind of playing out of his mind a little bit. He's kind of found the hot stroke uh from the field. Oh, yeah. So he's been, you know, a great sign for the past two years for the Lakers. And the fellow Oregon Duck, Troy Brown Jr., kind of fell off the radar in Washington. I think that's where he was before the Lakers. But, you know, a 3 and D player, a wing guy, I think he's kind of starting to... Find his shot. So if those guys can just keep it going, maybe not, you know, shoot out of their minds like how they're doing now. But if they can knock down open shots and give AD some help, that's going to be huge for the Lakers. And I think once D'Lo comes back, I don't know when. Hopefully soon. But I think that 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 might give the Lakers enough to to push into the play in. And maybe when LeBron comes back, they might have a shot at the six seed with the way that these other teams are. Look at the Clippers kind of fading a little bit. Dallas is kind of fading a little bit. So I don't know. But the real question is LeBron, right? They said it was initially two weeks. Now it's reevaluated in three weeks. So it's been about, I would say, a week since his injury. So another two weeks before an evaluation. So is he coming back in three? Is he going to be evaluated? And then you got to ramp him up another two weeks that that to me is is the key of the season so how much do you want to push lebron to me because he is 38 years old and are you really gonna push him so hard just to try to make the play in i don't know if that's worth the risk to be honest what would you do uh you're like on the. it's gonna depend
0: i mean if it's gotta be like three games i would say uh the last three games of the season, if there's a chance, I think he would want to play. Because, you know, LeBron, he has a scoring record. He has he's gonna be top th- or he's already top three in assists. The regular season statistics are all there for him. And we know LeBron listens to the critics, he listens to fans, analysts about what they have to say about him and his legacy, right? And the one knock that everyone, I mean, anyone that understands the MJ LeBron debate is the playoff success and the finals, right? So that's really all LeBron has left going for him, unless he really, really cares about his health so much and playing with Bronny and maybe Bryce that he's like, "Uh, I'm not going to push it. I just want to play with my sons, whichever way he's going to lean. I think that's going to be the deciding factor. In that, but I think if he's close, LeBron's a comp. I I believe in the competitiveness of LeBron. He loves the game, always is going to do what he can to win. I believe in that. So I think if he's close, and they're one or two games out with three three games or so left to go, I think he plays. And I think, I think even if he he doesn't, and you know the ideal situation is we are in the play in without him. <laughs> That's the <laughs> ideal. But I think if we're close, he'll play. I, I, I really do think that. Um, Okay, well, let's transition over to our other bubble team. And that's our... Our oh, Blazers. Our Blazers. And um, I'm still feeling fairly confident. I know they have a tough stretch coming up. It's going to be Damer Bust. But Matt, I think your feelings are a little bit more on the pessimistic side in this one so how are you feeling about this
1: i'm not so confident in the blazers so if you remember with logan's episode we were mentioning teams that we thought were not going to make the playoffs in that bubble you know 4 to 13 range and i said the blazers i was the only one that said the blazers would not make at least the plan and it's just because it's literally dame or bust i look at the last game i think he had what 40 points and they barely won. Tonight, he drops a triple-double and they win by 10 or 6 against the Pistons (laughs) who have 15 wins this year. So it takes Dame to get a 30-point triple-double to beat the Detroit Pistons by 6. That's scary to me. And really, it's him and Jeremy Grant and nobody else (laughs) because Ant is out. I don't know how long he's going to be out. He reactivated an injury. So who who am I going to look for offensively that can create their own shot? There, there really isn't anybody outside of Dame. And come playoffs and come late game or late season games when teams are fighting for playoff positioning, when you have only one guy that can beat you, you're just going to get the ball out of his hands. And ma- honestly, Dame might have 10, 15 assist games because that's exactly what teams are going to do they're going to just get it out of his hands make other guys beat them and that's not a formula for winning to me you got to have multiple guys that can get you a bucket this is the nba to me you got to have talent talented scorers on your team two to three at least that can get their own shot and right now jeremy grant is yeah he's a 50 one, but it's dame it's strictly dame maybe if ant was back my feelings would be a little more positive, but it's hard to to just say a game can will this team into the play-in because I'm struggling to see what the shot-making of this team. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle, but let me float this idea out there to you. So, you know, we did have those our three teams we thought we're going to get in. Two teams we didn't talk about, though. Were the Clippers and the Mavs? You know, we last week we assumed they would be in, right? We assumed we weren't even thinking they would be in the play in, right? They'd be in those upper six tier teams. But as the week has progressed, we find them sitting at the seven and eight seeds now in the play in tournament, right? And obviously, both teams not doing as well as they had anticipated post-trade deadline. The Clippers are acquiring Russell Westbrook. Mavs getting Kyrie Irving. Are, I don't know, Matt. They're kind of sliding at the wrong time right now, both of these teams. Give uh, Granted, you know, they were both played some pretty tough teams, right? I mean, the Mavs just took that close loss to the Suns, who have KD. Like I said, I think they're going to run through the Western Conference now, and the Kings beat, um, I believe, yeah. The Kings Warriors beat the Clippers, but I don't know it. I think it might start to be a little bit of panic mode because the Grizzlies needed, or Grizzlies obviously down John Morant, and I think they were also down someone else. Um, Dylan Brooks is Dylan up. Brooks, right? And they needed all star potential possible to come back. Uh, and steal one from the Grizzlies. Do you think there's a chance the Clippers and the Mavs, one of those two teams, don't make the play-in?
1: Oof. I feel like, honestly, the... so this might be a little confusing, but I feel like the Mavs could possibly slip to me. I think the Clippers are a little deeper, so I'm going to say the Clippers at least get into the play-in, but the Mavs, it's really all about Kyrie and Luca, and then everybody else just stand on the side and make a corner three if you get the ball. <laughs> but with that being said, I think the Mavs still have that potential to, to beat anyone because Luca and Kyrie, we saw it a couple games ago, they can drop 40 on you each <laughs> on any given night. So it's kind of a hit or miss with them. Like if you get them on a bad night and Luca's. Turning the ball over, Kyrie's not hitting shots. They look they they might be one of the worst teams in the league because it's just them two. You got no real rim protector. Christian Wood has kind of fallen out of favor to me in that rotation. So I don't know. I think the Mavs are just really hit or miss. So I gotta say, if there was one team, it would probably be them.
0: Yeah i I don't know, Matt. I think there's a chance that the Clippers fall out. Like, I really do think that. Um, It's hard to build that chemistry this late in the season. And the way they were losing was pretty, like, tough to watch. You know, that one loss that they had where the ball went off of Russ' hands out of bounds in the late-game scenario. And he was having a good game, too. Like, he was having a vintage Westbrook game. Something tells me it's just something about, like, the Clippers. They're like the Chargers of the NBA, you know? Like, if there's a way to choke, they'll find a way to do it. And something's just, I have a bad feeling. Uh, I really think, actually, Dallas, the Clippers, and the Jazz are all in jeopardy of falling out of the plane, which would be, a, I think, a disaster for ratings if the Clippers and the Mavs yeah. are in. I mm-hmm. think Adam Silver would be furious. But I think there's definitely a chance that it's Portland, the Lakers, and I think it might be the <laughs> Thunder. Which is, I think, the, the worst case scenario. Worst. Yeah. Wow. So, I think that's the worst case scenario. But I think it's possible. I We're going to have to see. It might be interesting. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if that ends up happening. Um, Okay, well, since we're sticking... Let's stick in the Western Conference. And... The big storyline with the Grizzlies has been John Morant's recent behavior and just kind of the past year, it seems like, turned into this villain role. Not quite sure where it started or where it came from, but a lot of allegations now dating back to last summer, most recently, flashing a gun on his Instagram Live, um... I'll just say this, Uh, my my take on this whole thing, right? Ja is, I think he's still young. He's, he is a young player, right? But this has to be the tipping point or the, the point where the Grizzlies, his teammates, his family, his friends put their foot down. No more like, ah, he's just a kid. No more, you know, ah. He's just trying to act tough for, for you know, whatever it is. Now, I think if you're truly, you truly care about him, this is the time you put your foot down. Tell him to cut this stuff off. Because uh, the fact of the matter, he's a millionaire, right? Playing sports. That's like every kid's dream. And for you to throw it all away to... Whether he is or isn't gangster like it like from the hood, who like who cares? There are hood players in the NBA, guys that aren't from the hood, but you don't see all of them going around like flashing gun right like right. You're professionals now. It's time to it's time for someone for them to like take John in, sit him down, have a serious conversation. Cause this can't stuff cannot be happening. And especially to one of the marquee stars, like let alone a role player, right? Role player was doing this, I'd be, I'd be mad. Cause you you made it. You made it. You're making money that can set up your family for the rest of your life. You're gonna go around doing dumb stuff like that. But it's John Morant who's probably has a potential to be one of the marquee guys in the NBA for a long time with his game. So I just think this has to be the point. And I hope I hope it changes and I hope that we stopped seeing that kind of behavior from Joe.
1: I think the thing with this, at least with this last allegation about the Instagram live and flashing the gun. I mean, it was there. We saw it. But like, first off, and I got I think it was Skip Bayless that said this today. Like, what are you doing on a regular season day at a club at five AM? <laughs> like, what like, what are that's you like doing? Some Dennis Rodman stuff like right ex exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the the thing I would say, the difference between Jaw and Dennis Rodman is Dennis Rodman, everybody knew that he was a great role player, right? Everything was about Michael Jordan. That's his team. the That's the image of the team. But the difference is Ja, he's the face of the Grizzlies. Nobody else it's it's Jaw's team. He's the man. so by him doing that, it just makes things much more magnified to me. and how like that just it that really bothered me to me, I think, is the going to the club on a regular Wednesday night because you played the Nuggets. like this is a team that you might see you know deep in the playoff run. If you guys even make the playoffs, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. They'll make the
0: play. They're the two seed. That it would be. No, I don't know. Collapse if they don't make it.
1: But hey, you you never know. I guess because they're not locked in. he could get suspended. He could get suspended, and the NBA is investigating. And I think they were saying reports, possibly fifty plus games. So obviously that's the rest of the season. Dylan Brooks is hurt. Steven Adams, I don't know when he's coming back, but he's an interior force. Brandon Clark, another key wing defender, kind of a big out for the season now. So, you know, a lot of guys are missing. And, you know, you're just, you got to be the guy to pick everybody up. And he just, he's not there for his team to me. And as a leader, I don't care how old you are. If you're the face of the team, you got to step up. And Ja, I think, I don't know. I don't know how the NBA is going to handle this, but to me, if it was anybody else, they would be in big trouble. (laughs) Like a regular civilian to me for flashing a gun, going on IG. But, you know, it's Ja. He has that celebrity status and it'll be interesting what The NBA does here, but it's not a good look. And I really hope that this is this is it for Jaw in terms of his antics. I agree because we will we like him on the court. He's exciting to watch, and you know it's sad to see someone behave like this for the someone that the league is really really trying to portray as the next face after LeBron, whether it's Giannis, Jaw, Luca, whoever that next generation. So. Ja, boy, you got to you gotta snap out of it fast. <laughs> oh, I agree.
0: Hopefully, this is the last we, we hear about this. Um, Okay, well, I just want to mention some of the Eastern Conference teams because we don't really talk about the East too much since the West has all the big names and the drama and stuff like that. But we need to show some love to the New York Knicks because they are on a nine-game win streak. Currently sitting at fifth in the Eastern Conference, so they're out of the play in now. But I don't know, Matt. This team is rolling right now. Manuel quickly has been playing really well. Julius Randle hit a clutch shot the other night. RJ Barrett has stepped up this year. Are the Knicks a force in the East? Are I, we've only been talking about Milwaukee, Boston, kind of the 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 Sixers, but you know you're not a huge believer in in the Harden, uh as your point guard thing. So I don't know the Knicks sleeper team, or is it just kind of a hot streak right now? And they're going to fizzle out later.
1: I, th- mm, it's hard to say. I think they can def, if they match up with the Cavs, which would be a great matchup four or five, if that holds up, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Cavs. to be honest. I think, I think Jalen Brunson kind of just brought something like he kind of has that bulldog kind mentality to me like Kyle Lowry almost in his prime might be even a better score to me than Kyle Lowry but oh I like that I think so I like the way that he plays to me like a small dude but he just he attacks the basket puts his head down and he, he he'll get to the line so I think his mentality in New York just kind of brings an energy to the team and you see it around and let's not forget Derrick Rose is on the team and guys will play for him and when he he's a locker room guy to me he's one of the best dudes probably in the NBA a model in terms of how to be a good teammate. So you got two point guards like that plus Julius Randle the All-Star, RJ Barrett who's kind of your young upcoming superstar player. But I think they got nice role players too. They got Josh Hart. Obviously. Josh Hart's been playing really Josh well. Hart. That was a huge. I was so mad the Blazers traded him away. Me too. Like, the dude is, he's a winning player, a three and D guy, exactly what playoff contending teams need. And you know, and the Knicks got effort, him. On mm-hmm. loose
0: balls, all the little things like that too. Yeah, that one was probably the toughest one for me to
1: be. And he played with with Brunson at Villanova. So those guys are probably they're all more pepped up now, right? You get to play with your old college teammate. And another guy that's doing well is is Quentin Grimes, the rookie out of Houston, who by the way is having a great college basketball season this year. But he's another guy, a big wing shoots the three ball really well. So they got shooting and then they got Randall on the inside. I don't know. This is this is going to be a tough team and I wouldn't be surprised if they win one playoff series this year.
0: I agree. Okay. Um yeah, it's it's going to be a fun fun stretch we're we're coming down to um but let's transition over, Matt, to it's playoff basketball in a diff- in a different Mhm. So, it's turning time. It's March. March madness is upon us. All the tournaments are being played, uh, either started or being played this weekend. And so we got to talk about UH. Before we get to the tournament, let's get to last week's games. Unfortunately, went one-on-one, a little tough there. But why don't you give us the breakdown
1: of those two games really quick? Yep. So last two regular season games on the road. So first game, we played CSUN, kind of an undermanned team. So UH was expected to win this game. First half was pretty tight. Something about UH on the road just doesn't click with me. But tie game at the half against CSUN, I'm a little worried. And then, boy, the second half, probably the best UH half of basketball you could say of the season. They outscored CSUN 48-22, to 22, which is absurd to me. So I think... That was huge for their confidence. And the guy that you want to pay attention to is Morsek. He got his second start in that CSUN game, and he got another double-double. 13-10, three blocks. I don't know. I think we're seeing someone starting to pop off, you know, starting to get his feet wet late in the season, which is perfect, perfect time for peaking. Morsek stepping in for a... Uh, Bernardo Da Silva, who was injured this game, going back to the Irvine game. So a great job by him to really anchor the defense. And he is really our only shot blocking presence to me. And he is a force and guys, they, they feel his presence in the paint. Let me tell you that. And he, he makes a difference for us to me when he's on the floor, you know, the bigs played pretty well in this game. Kamaka Hepa had a double double as well. And Jovan, our point guard, led the team with 18. So, a nice balanced attack. Even Noel Coleman had nine, Avea had nine. So, we got a balanced attack against the undemand CSUN team. So, we did what we were supposed to do. But that set up the big showdown to me the last game of the season against UC Santa Barbara. We had a chance to at least get a tie for the Big West regular season title, it wouldn't have resulted in the number one seed come tournament time. But you can still say you were a a champion, a conference championship with a win and then an Irvine loss. Unfortunately, UC Irvine did win, so it wouldn't have mattered. But you would have had a chance to boost your seeding come tournament time with a win. But UH might have played one of the saddest games (laughs) I've ever seen this year for them. them. Not what you want going into Last the tournament. And I know, you know, you see Santa Barbara as the player of the year, AJ Mitchell, who hit a game winning shot against UH in Hawaii. But really, the kind of disappointing thing for me in this game was the effort. I feel like watching the game to the point where I turned it off eventually because it was so painful. But UC Irvine was getting all the loose balls. It just looked like they were more engaged to me. The loose balls killed UH, the second chance points. And it didn't help that UC Irvine was shooting 60% from the field. Santa Barbara. In the first half. I mean, that's right. Santa Barbara was shooting over 60% from the field in the first half. So that's, I don't even know how you win a game. I think. If Santa Barbara is shooting 63% for a game, they might win the national championship. <laughs> like that's that's just absurd. But you know, trying to take some bright spots out of this game. Noel Coleman finally had a decent game offensively. 15 points, six of 10 from the field. A guy who's been pretty disappointing to me this year so far. Um, but it's great to see him at least get some kind of confidence with his shot back going into the Big West tournament. But really outside of him, nobody really made a dent in the scorebook. Javon was two for nine, HEPA three for 10. You know, Morsec had seven points, but was really just not a factor in this game. Justice Jackson had a couple nice threes, but yeah, not too many um, bright spots in this game. At least Bernardo Da Silva came back from injury, didn't start. But got 15 minutes in, so hopefully uh, that'll get them some reps in before uh, the Big West tournament. But with this loss, it was tough. UH could have been, I think if they won at least, they would have been the three seed, the three seed, and that would have matched them up against UC Davis. But now they lost, and they dropped to the five. The five seed in the Big West tournament. And, of course, we play the team that beat us twice this year and knocked us out last year, Cal State Fullerton. (laughs) So, a very tough first-round matchup. I'm honestly pretty nervous. (laughs) I'm worried. I'm 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 nervous. I'm really nervous. We just
0: played all year. Like, so inconsistent. I I still feel like we don't have in – identity on offense i still don't know like it could be any guy's night which is you know it can be a good thing to have but man when it's like it's the nights where no one can figure it out and come tourney time all it takes is one rough night right and so that's that's the one thing i'm i'm a little concerned of and allowing 81 points when you only have 61 uh, that's just can't happen. I I thought our defense for this whole year has been pretty pretty good though. I will say, uh, I all I had always seen effort, uh, from our guys for most of the year. So I'm not too concerned. You know, turning time, it's all out there on the line. I don't think effort's gonna be an issue. I just hope, you know, we can establish com- some kind of consistent offensive game plan. Whether it's using more sec and the bigs a little bit more, whether it's, you know, finding open shots for Jovan, Noel, Kamaka even, Samuta attacking, just if, if everyone could just play their game, uh, I think that's probably our best best option. I am nervous though, Matt. I, I, I don't know what it's going to have to take for us to win the whole thing. But to me, it's it's still a bunch of guys that all could be the guy on any given night. And I don't know. To me, I, I kind of see that as a little bit of a disadvantage, especially when it comes crunch time. Who gets the ball? Everyone's going to think they, have, they can be the guy. And in all fairness, anyone could – any one of these guys could, could hit a big shot at any moment. But to me – it's gonna to have to be a Javon uh driven show. I think late in the game, you trust him with the ball, whether it's to make the right pass or to hit a big shot. I think it we just have to kinda of default pick one guy. And uh I think he's shown the most consistently throughout this year. He's had some rough games, but offensively, I think it's gonna to have to come down to him. Cause I don't know who I I mean Kamaka missed the, the the free throws to tie the game, right? Noel has been just kind of not quite himself all year. Still capable of hitting a big shot, but I think it's gonna have to be Mr. McClanahan
1: leading us through the tournament. That's what I want to see. I, I think so too. But if I'm if I'm Iran Gannat, you know, with Bernardo coming back from injury seat, so you, you technically have a full roster outside of Juan Munoz, but that was a, you know, you felt that in the regular season from the start. But if I'm a Ron Gannott, I know he had this lineup throughout the whole year with Bernardo at the five starting games, but I'm starting more sec. I, I'm starting more sec against Fullerton. Changed something up.
0: They haven't He's seen him.
1: played well. Yeah, he hasn't played enough to me against them. And I think he truly is a factor inside. I don't need Morsec to score 10, 15 points. He could score four, five, but if he gets 10 rebounds and blocks four shots, that's exactly what you want to me on the defensive end to anchor the paint and take away those easy baskets for cell uh, Jr., the guard. He's the the first team guard this year for Fullerton. So he's the, the guy you want to stop. He's like the only and, one not from the
0: top yeah. team, right?
1: to make. Yeah, team. uh-huh. But to me, the factor, obviously, Jovan is kind of the guy this year, who, by the way, second team all Big West this year, so well-deserved. But the guy to me, and I think we've been saying this from the start, is Noel Coleman. He's still the best scorer on the team. He's got to show up. If he plays like how Noel Coleman can play, we're going to win this game. But the question is, will we get him? Because we haven't seen him for the past, you know, handful of games outside of the last game. So Coleman, I think Gennatt needs to get him the ball early, run a couple plays for him, you know, get him an open three on the move with the screen, you know, put him in the pick and roll early, let him get his, get his confidence. Um, because I'm riding through him, and if you get him locked in early, I think Jovan is, mentally he's fine, but you get Coleman to come along for the ride early and play with confidence. That's how you're going to take down Fullerton and you got sec anchoring the paint. So that's your formula. And if there's a tall guy guarding Javon and he keeps making pull-up shots, put a taller guy on him. I think you should do that earlier.
0: Please. Yeah. It, it might come, it's probably going to come down to a coaching matchup. We'll see who pushes the right pieces. (laughs) But I have faith, and I think uh-huh. if we just get hot on this on a what three or four game three game run
1: three games you gotta win three games three games
0: we can do it we'll be going <laughs> dancing again yeah I, I, I think we can do it so
1: okay it's a t- um, tough path because it's gonna be Fullerton and if you win most likely it's Santa Barbara yep and then Irvine most likely so that's a tough three game stretch yep and.
0: But i think we can do it I, I truly think it's possible if every three games of solid basketball mm-hmm. anything can happen it's march baby it's madness yep. time <laughs> so let's get let's start the madness early okay um got a little bit more baseball and football to talk about but we're gonna take a quick break here and then uh, we'll be back <laughs> okay Matt we finally got some NFL offseason stuff starting to pick up now we we're still waiting on there's still a bunch of big ones still got the draft coming up but the first pieces have started to fall and talk about the two biggest ones I well consensus around the league not to you but <laughs> two quarterbacks got signed today right uh the first one well actually well sorry Derek Carr wasn't today, was he? Yesterday. It was today. Oh, it was today. Oh, okay, See, I don't even know what day it is. So Derek Carr signed today. He's going to the Saints. Uh, I don't think too big of a shocker. There were already there's smoke, uh, going around there anyway, right? But you know, he got four years, hundred and fifty mil, hundred mil guaranteed. Hey, that's not too shabby for Mister Carr there. I would say, um. I was thinking, though, to me, this is a great career move. You know, the NFC South right now looking pretty weak, right? Yeah. Tom Brady just retired. The Falcons, you know, they cut Marcus. Currently, it's only Desmond Ritter. Who knows if they're going to take a quarterback in the draft? Their quarterback situation is up in there. Um, then you look to Carolina, right? Kind of more of the same. Who who are they going to have, Right. So, right now, Derek Carr is easily, I would say, the best quarterback in the division. So, you know, with how loaded the AFC is already, kind of makes sense to go over to an NFC team. He gets good, guaranteed money. I don't know. I think this is a pretty good move for Derek Carr. We'll see how it turns out to be a fit with the whole team, right? But they still got some weapons on there. You know, Chris Olave turned out to be a nice... Uh, receiver, can easily be a wide receiver one on that team, and still got Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill in that playmaking role. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how great the Saints will be in general, but I definitely will put them as the favorites to win the South after this move.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Almost by default, I feel like. But, yeah, I think if you look at the team on paper, he's still got Like you said, Olave, Kamara. And let's just keep in mind that Michael Thomas is still on the team. Oh, yeah. I know he's been injured. But when he's healthy, way, way back in 2019, he was the best receiver in football. That's what people were saying. And I know he's not the same player, but he's still a force to me when he's on the field. And now with the emergence of Chris Olave, makes things a lot easier for me if I'm the Saints' offense. So he's got weapons, and I think the Saints defensively, still solid. They got Dennis Allen as their head coach, was the former DC under Sean Payton, so obviously a defensive-minded coach. A lot of these guys are still there. You got Cam Cam Jordan. I get confused with Cam Jordan and Cam Hayward. You got Cam Jordan. You got Marshawn Lattimore. You got Honey Badger and... In the secondary playing safety so you got enough pieces there and i think easily i'm gonna to have to agree with you they're the way too early nfc south favorites <laughs> on paper that's not saying much though not saying much they're the new nfc least yeah. in a way they're but, an nfc sour
0: yeah. right now is... <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one good play on words yeah, yeah it's <laughs> i mean i'm sure we're gonna see some moves carolina i think That team has a lot of potential. Their defense, I really like their defense. Still got some guys on offense with with how they run. Maybe they get a guy. Well,
1: I got to throw this other team out too. So the Falcons, obviously they cut Marcus. I think he'll he'll sign somewhere. Someone's going to want him as a backup. Yeah. But I was hearing some rumors that, I don't know, it sounds like the Ravens are going to franchise Lamar if nothing gets happened or... If they can't work out a deal. But what if Lamar went to to uh, Atlanta? That That's what... Because that saga is still probably the top story in the NFL, I would say. The Lamar. Yeah. And that would be a power move to me. If he goes to Atlanta. Probably not going to happen. Actually, I take that back. I don't even know what the Ravens are doing. It shouldn't have even gotten to this point. <laughs> I still don't know what's going on with that. Uh, We can get
0: into that a little bit, but the other quarterback signing wanted to get to also in the NFC Gino Smith kind of the feel good story of last year one of I'll them at least for that. so he's going back to Seattle 3 years 105 mil 52 million dollars that first year he's getting paid That's- so they're they're front loading his contract and this is the ultimate patience pays off story right sat behind Russ all those years got to know that offense really well and Came out delivered this past year, and I, I like that Seattle is paying him early. Um, I agree. I think it's the right thing to do, and you don't really see this from NFL teams, right? Doing what kind of is the quote-unquote right thing, or how to, you know, treat your players right all the time. But hey, I gotta tip my cap to Seattle. They're paying him early. Um, he gets fifty-two million his first year. Hey, not too shabby, right? uh I think Gino deserved an extension I was surprised it was three years for 105 mil I I thought that was still kind of a lot I was thinking maybe 30 a year but it came out to 105 hey props to you Gino I congrats you know uh he's a good guy good locker room guy good leader he was accurate this past year uh and I guess we'll see if if he can keep it up uh moving forward I don't see why he can't you know, uh, uh to me it doesn't seem like anything too out of the ordinary happened other than just kind of was more of a quarterback than when he was in New York, right? Uh he's just more developed now and yeah, happy for Gino. I this gives me hope for Marcus, honestly. <laughs> like if I'm being completely honest, uh Marcus is only 30 years old, right? And he still has a lot of I think has a lot of playing play left in him this past year with the Falcons uh, before he got cut, probably the healthiest I've seen him on a football field in the past four, three or four seasons since maybe his second year in the league. Uh, I haven't seen him running like that and having fun. Obviously his accuracy was a little bit of an issue this year, but that gives me a little bit of hope that, Hey, Marcus, go to a team, just sit there for a little bit, be patient. Because as we saw last year, it was like one of the most quarterbacks played in a season in the NFL, right? Everyone was just getting hurt left and right. So I think he'll probably play no matter what team he goes to. He'll probably play a game or two. And yeah, I that this Geno signing
1: gives me hope. So congrats, Geno. Um, I want to say one thing about the the Geno contract, though. I, I think you touched on this already, but the fact that they, they front-loaded the contract from a Seattle business perspective, I think that's really smart. Just because Gino, right? He had really one good year last year. So is he going to be able to to replicate it or play something close to that level? Because obviously if he doesn't, right? You're stuck with him. What are you going to do? But to me, that makes the bullet easier to bite because you get that money out of the way. Like no one's going to criticize you. Oh, like, why'd you give him you know, so much money the first year. Well, he came off a Pro Bowl season. How do you not justify that? So if he does stink it up for some reason, I think it makes it easier for Seattle to move off from him Mm -hmm. quicker and find a trade partner. You can release him. I think from a business standpoint, that's a smart move by Seattle. And if it works out, then hey, you, you got him for a bargain, basically for the next two seasons. So very, very smart move by Seattle to me from that standpoint
0: yeah that's a good point i didn't even think of that i thought they're just being nice but you know what that part makes more sense because why <laughs> would an nfl organization be nice that exactly your your idea makes more sense um okay franchise tags couple got thrown out big one one of them being josh jacobs for the raiders right um i am surprised josh jacobs because like he can can he choose whether or not to accept the franchise tag? Is that how the because franchise you have tag to, is? right? Is it, that's how it works, right? Like it's like a one-year thing that leaves you. It's it a one year
1: fully guaranteed
0: deal. Okay. Because if I was a if I was Josh Jacobs, I would have considered holding out if they offered me a franchise tag. You lost Derek Carr. You don't know what you're doing. Uh you still got Devontae Adams, obviously. But Josh Jacobs was a leading rusher last year. In all that mess, I don't know. I would consider holding up, uh, kind of want, wanting, uh, that big four or five year deal for that, the running back right. The second big deal or your second deal, more than likely, as we've seen, is the last big deal you're gonna get unless you're, you know, Superman right. On um, the that unfortunate Derek truth Henry. is, yeah, once you start to hit thirty you know all the wear and tear starts to kick in. So, if I was a running back, especially a caliber of Josh Jacobs, I don't know if I would I would fight that franchise tag a little bit, but I mean, he's still getting 10 mil guaranteed, so uh I like this move if I'm the Raiders cuz I think you have to bring back Josh Jacobs 100%. He's probably going to be the uh the workhorse for your your team this year on offense. So, um yeah, I, I kind of like that move, but let's get to the move. I know you really want to talk about, Matt, and that is Mr. Tony Pollard re-signing or also getting franchise tagged, I should say, by your Dallas Cowboys. So I am a little sad because now we Miami doesn't get Tony Pollard. He was Oh, on my please. Wish- no, he was on my wish no. list.
1: You can have our other running back. No, nah, it's okay. <laughs> that, that, you mean the fullback? It, it, sure. Fullback yeah. one. Best fullback in the league. No, we we
0: already have... Ingo's already the best fullback in the league. Anyway, <laughs> how excited are you that Tony Pollard will be returning? And are you hoping a deal gets done sooner than later? I'm guessing that's a yes.
1: I'll answer your first part. So I'm not, say, excited. I'm more, I expected him to be back because how in the world could you let him go? It's more relief. Exactly. It's like, who else is on your team outside of CD that can make big plays? That's it. (laughs) So you almost have, you have no choice. You have to bring him back. And logically, this is the best franchise tag to use because it is the cheapest deal out of all the position players. Right, There's a lot of talk with Dalton Schultz, would they tag him again? But that doesn't make sense to me. It's a higher cap hit. I think it's up to 14 mil for tight ends, which is kind of a lot for one year. But Dallas has two tight ends already on the roster in Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, who both have shown flashes last year. So I'm not worried in that position. So running back is huge, and especially with the season Pollard had, you need him. You you really do need him to be RB1 next year. Now, the the real question is that long-term deal. I would hope Dallas learns their lesson to not go crazy and sign your running back to a ridiculous long-term contract deal. Does that mean I don't want Pollard re-signed? No. But I think you have to be smart here. You got to see what Tony Pollard wants. I think with the franchise tag, it just buys you more time till July really you hold tony pollard under you know under your arms basically until july 15th which is the deadline to get your franchise tag players to sign a long-term deal so from then i'm looking for okay i'm testing the waters if i'm jerry jones what does tony pollard want if he wants like a three-year deal Maybe I, I think about signing him back. But if he wants, you know, like five years. Well, a what player is going to want a three-year deal over a five-year deal? Well, you, but you got to think about it. If it's a three-year deal, do you get more money annually? Or five-year, you spread out the money? Like, I don't know. But running backs don't last long. That, that's that's it's proven. I know it's Tony Pollard. I know I love him. But we got to be smart here. Anything more than three years, I'm not signing them. I'm not. <laughs> With that being said, I'm going to expect that they don't get a long-term deal because it's Jerry Jones. Something always seems to not work. <laughs> so if, if, if he doesn't sign a long-term deal within the next couple months, up until July, there's no way I'm resigning him after this year. Because you can't tag him again. The cap's going to get higher. You're going to have to pay him more. So if he doesn't sign by July 15th, this is the the farewell tour for Tony Pollard last year. So with that being said, I'm running him 30 times a game, just giving him the rock. I don't care. Give him the ball 30 times. Make him cash it 10 times. Make him beat Derrick Henry. I don't care because it's going to be the last season anyway if you don't sign him to a long-term contract. But I'm relieved at least I'm always looking for just next year. I should say the current year because we always have Super Bowl aspirations in Dallas, so I don't care about two years from now. I need to get Tony Pollard this year. I got him, and that's a good start to me for the offseason.
0: Okay, was there any other Dallas news you wanted to get to?
1: Yeah, there is. So they actually placed a second-round tender on their right tackle, Terrence Steele who kind of blossomed into a very nice piece for them. Uh, But the key here is he's tenured. So he's a restricted free agent. You know, guys can, you know, negotiate with him. Maybe he'll go somewhere else. But if he does leave, we get a second round pick. So I think that's very smart by Dallas because I do think teams will try to get him. He's proven to be a quality right tackle. And I really hope Dallas gets him back because he is young. And with him being back, maybe that's your chance to let Tyron Smith go and save some money and ask Tyler Smith to step up and be the left tackle. But I think that was another smart move by Jerry. Doesn't make many smart moves, but I'm going to say at least to slowly start things off, we're okay. But Jerry, let me just tell you, when free agency starts, you better be doing something big. Because we can't just be sitting back and watching all these other teams sign everyone. And we do re signing Dak Prescott to a 10 year, <laughs> 10 year, $10 million deal. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> Definitely worth it. Because that's how much he's worth to me. <laughs> oh, and let me say, talking about free agency, thank you for bringing this up. And we can talk about this later. But if I'm Jerry Jones, the first player I'm signing is Cooper Rush. He's a free agent. We need him back. He is the best quarterback on the roster. So we need to get him back. Jerry, please it. listen to me. Wasn't we there a it.
0: rumor like Marcus was kind of floating out there to Dallas as a backup if Cooper Rush walks?
1: Uh, I heard that, but I I really I truly really don't see that happening, to be honest. No offense, but I don't want Marcus on my team. I want Cooper Rush. I want Cooper Rush. He knows the system. All right? Marcus is a much different quarterback than Cooper. he a good,
0: like a Taysom Hill, you know, added
1: element in the red zone, I think. But, yeah. But I'm probably... not I'm not going to sign a guy just to be a red zone package quarterback. That's a waste to me. And with, with Dak, Dak is injury prone already. You have to assume that. So, Marcus, no offense, but he's a running quarterback. He kind of has some, you know, injury history a little bit. So, I'm a little worried on that. Cooper Rush, man of steel, man. Dude, dude takes big hits. He stands in the pocket, delivers strikes down the middle of the field like Tom Brady almost, like just locked in in the pocket. That's the kind of guy we need backing up Dak and eventually right. taking over the starting position in Dallas. All so, right. Jerry, go get Cooper Rush. <laughs> I will be very sad I if know he's you, not on my team. would be devastated if Cooper Rush <laughs> was in a different I, might call, I might call in sick from the pod. <laughs> I'm gonna have to grieve a little bit. Oh okay, that's gonna hurt well, more than the loss to the Niners. <laughs>
0: um. Anyway, well, just to wrap up this NFL talk, since we brought it up a little bit earlier, you think Lamar resigns with the with the Ravens? Because I think he does. I I think he they have to pay him. I don't see what other option is left. I I don't know. I
1: truly can't see the letting him go i think (laughs) i i don't know the ravens they're so dumb (laughs) i'm hearing miami atlanta atlanta was when i heard miami like all these teams but truthfully i i think lamar might have to play on the franchise tag because how did the ravens let it get to this point and there's no way if Lamar isn't giving in now, he's not gonna give in. He said he wants Deshaun Watson money, and I think he's gonna try to hold out as long as he can. So I would, I
0: would pay. I would have paid Lamar more than Deshaun Watson.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, he doesn't have baggage like Deshaun. So <laughs> want an MVP? Deshaun hasn't won an MVP. So, but I, I think Lamar is gonna play with the Ravens, but under the franchise tag. Okay. Probably not going to make him happy either. So yep. if he gets a little tiki tack injury, <laughs> he might be done for the season. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Okay. Well, we'll have to see. Still got
0: a long off season to go. Before we transition off of uh football, I just want to talk about the combine a little bit. Because I think we both talked about this this weekend. Right? The NFL mm-hmm. combine. To me, something's got to change about it. Um, I'm not too sure what it is the the thing that i guess i would hope for the combine is it only can help player stock right like i think it's it's great that all these guys uh can impress teams through the combine you know uh, under the radar guys guys that didn't go to big schools per se they have a chance to show off their athleticism but at the same time i don't like that it's top recruits that are going and you know high draft pick uh expected guys and their numbers aren't quite as good and that tanks them to me i don't know like the film says a lot more than a 40 time without pads and without a ball and running in a straight line right like what is that what what does that prove to me like oh your straight line speed okay great out of all the straight line speed guys that have come through the combine, like take John Ross, right? What how's his career going now? So it's just like things like that. I think it's great if it helps players get higher money, but I hate that it it hurts them because to me, like I don't know, it's it's the environment, right? It's like the Zach Wilson Pro Day. It's gonna fool some people into doing some foolish things. <laughs> all right, so. I just wanted to end end with that note for me.
1: That That's a good point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I'm on the side like you where I don't get hyped about a guy running 4-2 or a guy running 4-3 or he benches this much. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, <laughs> like he can run 4-2, but it, what if he has like, you know, Ten catches in the whole season. Yeah, in can he run
0: routes? Big deal. Can, like, he, can he block? Can he right?
1: Like, why like, do offensive at, linemen need to mm-hmm. be running a forty-yard dash? <laughs> and talking um, about offensive linemen, did you see that someone got hurt? Yeah, in the combine, he like got and hurt I, in the forty, he, right? Yeah, like he t- was it an Achilles injury or ACL? Looked, like a pretty it was, serious injury. It was pretty
0: serious. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: was, like, why you have guys doing? That kind of drill, especially for offensive linemen. Maybe, okay, bench pressing, some kind of strength drill, but a a 40, I don't think linemen are going to be running, you know, handoffs up the middle. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's, there's a reason to test that. So I'm on the side of you for that. And I also want to point out that you brought the Zach Wilson thing. I know this guy is getting a lot of hype and this is kind of the combine hype, but anthony richardson to me is a guy that i'm just a little skeptic he's so on right now that's the thing it's like a malik willis Trey lance like he's got the physical talent but i've seen a little bit of him at florida and i truly was not wowed on tape and i think florida be the right team and then there was a stat going on in college football. Did you know that Florida was one of the last teams to throw a passing touchdown this year with UH? <laughs> like Dang. They were like the the last two teams to throw a passing touchdown. That's... So it was Anthony Richardson, Joey Yellen, Braden Shaker, and I forget the other teams, but Florida was on that list. And that's not a good list to be on. Anthony Richardson can run dual-threat quarterback build, but the tape, man. You got to look at the college tape. And I hate guys that are saying Bryce Young. Oh, he's too short. Oh, he's shorter than uh, Mina Kimes, or he's like the same height as Mina Kimes. Like, okay. And look at all Kyler the short. Murray is like Kyler Murray like five. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Like all these guys are short, but look at look at how they perform, especially Drew Brees, and even to you know Russell Wilson. Won a Super Bowl, he's been to two uh, like multiple Young Pro a Bowls. Winner. Exactly, he's a winner,
0: and he knows the game of football. He knows how to play yep. the position of quarterback.
1: I mean, he did win the Heisman Trophy one year as a starter, and his last year, being at this last college football season, he didn't have the track team. He didn't have you know the Judys and the Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith. He really had no one to throw to.
0: And I still stand that they should have made he... the CFP.
1: Exactly, because of him. Because he was literally the dude. He made everyone better. And that's the kind of things, if I'm a scout, if I'm a coach, I'm looking at the tape. He took down all these big-name teams, you know, like LSU. Um, I'm trying to think of that game that he won. I can't remember. It was like a, a vintage performance game. Oh, Texas. It was Texas. They had to score late in the game, hostile environment you know, he breaks out of a tackle and a sack and he gets a huge run, makes two big throws. I mean, that's that's the kind of things you want to look for, you know, in your tape. Not so much the physique. But, yeah, the combine, they got to fix something about that. I'm with you on that. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to our last sport here.
0: We got a little bit of spring training we can cover. Um, I know it's kind of early, but I've actually been following a little bit of spring training for the Dodgers here. So, the biggest hit for us, unfortunately, we lose Gavin Lux for the whole year, right? Torn ACL. And that's going to hurt because, I mean, obviously for Gavin Lux, you know, the player himself. But organizationally, this was the year to see if Gavin Lux is the guy, right? Is he... Gonna be our shortstop of the future. And now we don't get to see that. Luckily, we do have Miguel Rojas, who is having a really good spring, right? How he's gonna turn out in the regular season, we'll kind of have to wait and see. It is spring ball. Remember, Kyle Higashioka's hitting nukes in the spring, and there was all this hype, and you know, didn't pan out for him. So tempering expectations here. Um I am optimistic though with some of the youth on the team. Obviously, Miguel Vargas isn't swinging the bat. I think he's hurt. Pretty sure he's hurt. Um, so we'll have to see how he turns out. But I I liked what I saw in the glimpses that I saw last year. And there there's this center fielder or outfielder for the Dodgers name's James Altman, right? Lefty uh-huh. swinging. This guy, he. Has the potential to be like the guy. And that's with a team with Mookie and Freddie Freeman for the foreseeable future. He has superstar like Rice Harper, Cody Bellinger, like young Corey Seager potential. And it sounds like he can make the opening day roster. So I'm excited because he hasn't gotten DFA'd yet. So there's hope that he makes the roster. And I even think hopefully he can somehow crack the starting lineup by the end of, you know, maybe the middle of the season. Because if this kid pans out the way I think he can, the Dodgers got another one. Like they got another one <laughs> of these stud young lefty hitters, like MVP caliber. Um, I just like what I see out of him and his swing. It's it's just so, so natural. so. um yeah. Those those are my comments. Uh hopefully everyone can stay healthy. Unfortunately, Jordi Yamamoto will, will not be starting the season uh on the Dodgers uh staff. So that's kind of a bummer. But hopefully, you know, maybe he has a good season, gets called up here and there and can maybe make the playoff roster uh if we make the playoffs. <laughs> so, I would think you guys would make the playoffs. I would think we make least. the playoffs. I would think. So, yeah, that's my little report. Um Let's head over to your Yankees though. Things starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, multiple positions, right? But um obviously the biggest one being shortstop. So you've got a little bit of a conundrum, my friend. You have mm-hmm. uh three, but it's really down to two, right? Promising young players. Both could play shortstop. I think I sounds like uh Oswald, though, or Oswald. Cabrera Peraza. is out. Oswald, Peraza. Wait, what? <laughs> I said Cabrera is probably not going to be the shortstop, right? Oh, yeah. He's a utility guy. He oh, might be okay. the left fielder. Okay. He so, might be the left fielder. So now it's down to Peraza and Volpe, right? Um, I don't know, Matt. You got a hitter. You got the leather. What's it going to be? Let, you know, let's... To not Let's, hurt anyone's feeling, it's gonna be IKF. There you
1: go. You know what? Taka, I'm glad you brought. Up, I'm glad you brought up IKF because you know it kind of fits perfectly. Because unfortunately for your team, you lost your starting shortstop this year, and I feel that because you need a shortstop. Shortstop is no, really we important. Have, we have really important. We,
0: sign, we have Ross. Yeah, he but really started he's, a shortstop last year.
1: Yeah, but Literally. you know, he you need you need depth, I think. You you need a you need you need some help there. And with the Yankees having you could say three guys more, Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera, probably gonna be a utility guy. He can play all over the field, but he was a natural shortstop. And the Yankees converted him into an outfielder last year. So he can play the middle. Obviously we're not giving him up, but with that being said, we got a lot of guys that can play short, so maybe the Dodgers should take IKF.
0: You know what I was thinking? It's though? a
1: win-win situation for both teams.
0: I was thinking we take IKF, move him, slide him to second. I think that might save his career, like defensively, because he doesn't have to make the long throw anymore. But you know, Isaiah
1: no shift was a third baseman. He won a Gold Glove at third.
0: Okay, we'll put him at third too then. <laughs>
1: I don't where, think where you going to play. Where are you going to play? Uh, who's third now? Is it Muncie? Oh, Muncie? I don't know. We'll figure it out. You can DH. It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably going to have to be a DH. Anyway, Who's I want to know I who you're f- leading right now. Uh, Volpe or Peraza?
1: Tough one. I like both of them. But I think on the safer side, out of the two, I would say Peraza. He saw live game action last year. Obviously started a couple games in the playoffs last year. But I think with Peraza, I like his athleticism to me. I know I've seen Volpe play a little bit in spring training. Dude looks amazing. I still think he needs a little more time in the minors to at least start the year. Like we've already seen Peraza. Let's kind of go with a sure-handed dude that we at least know what we can get from him. So I'm going to lean towards towards Peraza in this one. But I will not be surprised if Volpe is up by July or August. That will not surprise me because IKF might not be on the roster in a month or two. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to lean towards Peraza to getting that starting opening day job at short. All right. Yeah, we'll have to see what Mister Boone decides to do. I guess, huh? He said IKF might play outfield if he's on the team, which is absurd to me.
0: He'll be a catcher. Yeah, he'll be a utility guy somewhere in the infield to me. Like he's a plug and play guy. Um. Probably not shortstop though, after last season. Anyway, uh, last bit of news we can get to World Baseball Classic. You know we haven't seen the games come around in a few years now I believe. Um mm-hmm. so it's gonna be interesting. And I'm excited. I think the US has a really good roster on paper. Now we'll see how that actually gets translated uh to game scenarios. But I, I kinda like our team. You know, we got we got pitchers, we got hitters. Now it's just going out there and doing it. Um but let's talk about some of the biggest threats that they have. Obviously Dominican Republic Japan, Puerto Rico. Uh, it, it's kind of nice, though, because of how I think diverse baseball is now. Right? We've got players everywhere. Um, uh, I think the games this year are going to be really good. And I hope the U.S. comes out on top. But I don't know.
1: Shohei's hitting
0: nukes right now for
1: Japan. <laughs> He's hitting nukes off one knee. <laughs> so... Yeah, I... I like the U.S. roster, but the the scary thing is I don't think it's the best roster on paper. I truly think the Dominican Republic is the best team on paper. That that lineup is unreal. <laughs> and I know the U.S. has Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, but I'm looking at this DR roster. Oh, my goodness. Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez. He got Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield. The infield is just absolutely loaded. Machado, Machado Wander Franco, Devers, <laughs> Jeremy Pena. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and let's not forget, he might be the worst player in the infield at his age, but Robinson Cano is still on the team. My guy. But oh, my God. I haven't heard he, that name He might ages. be He might be the worst player in the infield at his age this year. That's how stacked they are. And the pitching, obviously, Alcantara as the ace, Christian Javier, and they got Brian Abreu, Diego Castillo, Montero, a lot of Astro guys. Unusually, Coito, Gregory Soto is tough. I mean, this team, Duval from the Giants, that dude is nasty. (laughs) There was 102 with a sinking action. But that... to me, the DR is the team to beat, and they're gonna have to. The US is gonna have to go through them in that second round, that second pool. Um, if they want to get to the the championship rounds in the semifinals and finals, so I think Japan, we can. I would feel pretty confident that they'll make the at least the semifinals, <laughs> with Shohei and Yu Darvish as your one and two, <laughs> in the rotation. But yeah, you. I think the US. Their outfield depth is pretty nice to me. I'm looking at Mookie Betts. You got Mike Trout, obviously. So those two guys are going to be in there. But Kyle Tucker is a guy I think should be in the lineup. Probably, he can hit probably a lefty, Gold Glover. So I don't know. You roll. I think I roll with those three in the outfield. Obviously, Aronado's at third, Goldschmidt at first. Uh, I think Rio Muto would be the catcher. Trey Turner will be... I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't know if he'll be at short. I could see them using him at second. Maybe Tim Anderson plays short. Trey Turner will be in the lineup, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But they got they got a lot of pieces. I think Alonzo could be a DH. Obviously, Kyle Schwarber. So, they got guys to me. But, yeah, the, the only thing that I would say gives me the slight advantage to the DR is the pitching. I don't think the U.S. has that that, like, a dominant Start, they got nice pieces, nice pieces, and Cortez. Mr. Cortez was supposed to play too, but that's the thing. The the DR pitching staff is just a little better to me, but I'm excited. I still think this team obviously they can beat anyone in this roster in the World Baseball Classic, so it'll be fun. It's gonna be, I'm really excited because this is like caliber baseball,
0: it's like the all star game you wish. It's like what you wish the All-Star Games were like, you know? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So it'll be it'll be fun. All right, Matt. Well, that ended up being a little longer than we thought. But why don't you go ahead, wrap us up here with our uh, sports fact of the day.
1: All right. So we are recording on March 6th. So we'll take it back to 2019. Someone by the name of LeBron James scored... Thirty-two thousand two hundred ninety-three points on this day, when he was on the Lakers, to help him pass Michael Jordan on fourth on the all-time scoring list. And obviously, we flash forward fast forward to today. He is the all-time leading scorer. So, LeBron passing the goat, you could say a goat passing a goat. I don't know. That'll be up for debate for forever. But LeBron James passes Michael Jordan on the scoring record today.
0: All right, got a lot of LeBron docket. Okay, Matt. Well, that was a fun pod. Um, yeah, it'll be a fun week of sports. We'll have to see a big weekend coming up. Yep, so... and go, bows, go, bows, this week. Bows. go, go bows. bows. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week and uh, yeah, have a good weekend.